Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Seeking Serenity, our four-part series on 12-step spirituality. I'm with the Daughters of St. Paul, but in keeping with the tradition of anonymity in AA, OA, and other 12-step groups, I'll not be identifying myself. Last time, we reflected on our powerlessness, otherwise known as accepting the things we cannot change, as articulated in the Serenity Prayer. While the thought of powerlessness usually has negative connotations, in 12-step thought, it's actually the key to freedom for when we can accept who and what we cannot control and acknowledge that truth, then we open ourselves to a power that is not our own, but comes instead from God through Jesus Christ. St. Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 12, verses 1 to 10, helped us to pray about this. If you didn't get a chance to experience the reflection on powerlessness, the link to that is below. Before we get into our reflection for today, I once again say that these reflections are my own and do not represent any 12-step group or the Daughters of St. Paul. Having said that, I now invite you to close your eyes for a moment, slow down your thinking, and let all the thoughts running around in your head be put on the back burner for our few minutes of reflection together. Take a deep breath in slowly. Hold it for a moment and then let it out slowly. Entrust your worries and cares into God's loving hands. Now, if you wish, please join me in praying the serenity prayer, which you can find on the accompanying PDF. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Amen. I am so happy to have you back with us as we reflect today on the topic of surrender. Just like powerlessness, the word surrender doesn't immediately invoke warm, fuzzy feelings. When an army surrenders, for example, it means they've lost the battle and are choosing to quit fighting. It sounds a lot like giving up. Have you ever had days when you felt like giving up? Well, maybe not giving up entirely, but just feeling frustrated with the way things went that day? I had one of those days recently. It started well. I got up and spent some time in prayer and, because of the pandemic, watched a live-streamed Mass with my community, and I had a satisfying breakfast. But once I sat down at my laptop to write that day, I felt just blah, 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 blah. Knowing I had a deadline, I was frustrated looking at the blank screen and not having the slightest idea where to start. So I did some mindless stuff, hoping to clear my head. You know, playing computer solitaire, deleting spam off of my email, watching John Krasinski's Some Good News on YouTube. When way too much time had passed, I went back to the blank screen. Still nothing. Oh, for crying out loud, I thought. So I made a cup of tea. I love Bigelow's Perfectly Mint. I sprayed some water on my seedling cilantro and chive plants. I even put in a load of laundry and then sat back down. Yep. You guessed it, nothing. Then I had lunch, watched a rerun of Madam Secretary, and even went out for a short walk. Came back, nada. You get the idea. The whole day passed, and I was not one word closer to finishing my writing project than when I had started that morning. I was beyond frustrated. I mentioned in the previous reflection that I'm a food addict and part of Overeaters Anonymous. Only with Abba's power was I able to get through that day without overeating. 
I called my sponsor that evening, as I do most evenings, and I told her that I had had a bad day, not food-wise, but with practically everything else, not getting anything done, well, except the laundry. She told me that God's in charge, and if I surrender to God's will, tomorrow will be better. The next day, I began with the third step prayer from Alcoholics Anonymous, which goes like this. God, I offer myself to you to build with me and to do with me as you will. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do your will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of your power, your love, and your way of life. May I do your will always. Amen. When I sat down to write that morning, I prayed two more prayers, this time from our own Pauline prayer book. One was the secret of success that I mentioned in the last reflection, which I will refer to again a bit later. And the other was a simple prayer called, Before Writing. Lo and behold, the words poured from my fingertips onto the screen, which was blank no more. I rode the wave that whole day, and by the time evening prayer came around, I had a pretty good first draft of my project. The report to my sponsor that evening was much more positive. What was the difference between the first day and the second? I think it was simply an attitude that embraced surrender to my higher power, to God, to Abba. The first day was about me, my deadline, my work, my project, my lack of progress, my plans, my will. Any 12-stepper can tell you that usually spells trouble. In contrast, the second day was about God, God's plan, God's will, God working in and through me. The second day was a day that I was able to live out of step three, which reads like this, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Remember that AA and other 12-step programs not being specifically religious allow members to define their own concept of God. But for me, this means God as Father of Jesus, Abba. Notice the step doesn't say that we turn our addiction over to God and everything else stays the same. It says we turn our will and our lives over to God. That means everything. Not just our addiction, but our attitudes, our relationships, our work, our status quo, our control. An OA friend once shared that when this person went into treatment, they were told, you only have to change one thing. So they asked, well, what's that? And the person said, everything. Now, surrender is hard. It's really hard, but it works. And you know what? We have a great example of both the cost and the freedom that comes with surrender in Jesus himself. When faced with the reality of the passion in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus struggled with surrender. Mark's gospel tells us that he prayed, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup from me, but not what I wish, but what you do. And that's from Mark chapter 14, verse 36. Surrender is hard because it asks us to let go of control. You may have heard the popular 12-step slogan because it applies to everyone. Let go and let God. That's surrender, pure and simple. It's the action of letting go that trips us up most of the time, though. During my stay at a residential treatment facility for food addiction, I was working on the concept of surrender around Christmas time. The older of my two brothers was alienated from the rest of our family for a number of years, which caused great suffering for me and my other siblings, but most of all for my parents, especially my mom. 
Since I was doing a lot of reflecting on letting go of what I couldn't control and surrendering my will to God, I decided to stop worrying about my brother and the fractured relationship we had with him. One night, I prayed in sincere surrender and entrusted him into God's hands that whatever God willed for our relationship would happen and that I would be at peace with that. The next day, a couple of weeks before Christmas, I sent him an email telling him I loved him and I shared a bit about my treatment and my recovery journey. I wrote with little expectation that the email would even be opened. Much to my surprise and delight, I received a return email a week or so after Christmas. It was brief, but my brother thanked me for being so open with him and he wished me well. Long story short, the next Mother's Day, he called my mom and the journey of reconciliation and healing began. Leaving my brother in God's hands and putting my own desire for reconciliation aside left the way open for God to work as God knew best. Sometimes I think we just need to surrender for great things to happen. We need to get ourselves out of the way, move our wills and egos off to the side of the road so that God's plans can drive through and have room to be fulfilled. St. Paul talks about this in his letter to the Romans, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. He says, So I beg you by God's mercy, my brothers, to offer your whole lives as a living sacrifice, which will be holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual worship. Don't pattern yourselves after the ways of this world. Transform yourselves by the renewal of your minds, so you'll be able to discern what God's will is and what is good, pleasing, and perfect. Just as step three asks us to decide to turn our will and our lives over to God, St. Paul says exactly the same thing. Offer your lives as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, discerning God's will in every situation. This doesn't mean, however, that we don't make plans, only that those plans be something we're willing to let go of if God's will decrees otherwise. In the previous reflection, I mentioned Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book, which is a guide for anyone in recovery. In the Big Book, it's suggested that we begin each day by seeking God's will. And I quote, On awakening, let us think about the 24 hours ahead. We consider our plans for the day. Before we begin, we ask God to direct our thinking, especially asking that it be divorced from self-pity, dishonest, or self-seeking motives. The big book goes on to say, In thinking about our day, we may face indecision. We may not be able to determine which course to take. Here, we ask God for inspiration, an intuitive thought or a decision. We relax and take it easy. We don't struggle. We are often surprised how the right answers come after we have tried this for a while. This is from page 86 of the big book. Surprise is definitely what I felt when I received that email from my brother. I felt a little less surprised when I surrendered my writing to God that day and God came through. Actually, the more I surrender, the less surprised I am when God comes through. If I say that I trust in God and know that God has only my good in mind, then why should I be surprised when I feel that good and see it at work in me? That conviction wasn't always there in me, though. I was a person who loved control and being in control, and when I wasn't in control, I was not a pleasant person to be around. 
I am not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but I have grown a little bit in being able to let go of control and let God take center stage in my life. What finds me amazed at God's goodness is when I find myself with little worry. I no longer worry so much, choosing rather to entrust myself, my family, my community, and all around me into God's hands. When COVID-19 hit, some people around me were very anxious, worried about contracting the virus or family members who would be vulnerable. I almost felt guilty for having next to no worry. I surrendered my life and my health to God and knew that I would be at peace if I contracted the virus or if I didn't. That doesn't mean I didn't pray for an end to the pandemic. I prayed for that every day. I also prayed and continue to pray for people who are consumed with worry and anxiety that they find peace in surrendering their worries into God's loving arms. Earlier, I mentioned the prayer, The Secret of Success. It's on the accompanying PDF for your convenience, but I'm also including a link to the book this prayer can be found in. In the first reflection on powerlessness, we spent some time on the beginning section of this prayer, which acknowledges that we are weak, unaware, incapable, and inadequate in the face of the mission God has entrusted to us. But the prayer doesn't end there. When faced with our weakness and imperfection, we only need to surrender, which is exactly what the prayer expresses next. It conveys our trust in God. You, meaning Jesus, instead are the way and the truth and the life, the resurrection, our one and supreme good. We have faith in you alone, who assure us, whatever you ask the Father in my name you will receive. For our part, we promise to seek only and always your kingdom, your glory, and peace to all people. We trust that you will give us all we need, grace, discernment, and the means to do good in the world. So in this prayer by Blessed James Alberione, we have first the expression of our powerlessness and then our surrender, knowing that whatever we ask God in the name of Jesus will be ours. By seeking only God's will, we can then trust that God will give us the grace, discernment, and means to do exactly that. I played the flute when I was a kid and used to practice for hours because I had always been told practice makes perfect. Well, I'm not so much into perfection anymore. Honestly, it's too tiring and unrealistic anyway. But in order to get the idea of surrender to sink into my thick skull and my heart early on in my recovery, I began the practice of repeating words of surrender on my rosary beads as I fell asleep at night. I would pray the section from The Secret of Success that I just quoted. You, Jesus, are the way and the truth and the life, the resurrection, our one and supreme good. We have faith in you alone who assure us, whatever you ask the Father in my name, you will receive. I would fall asleep saying that over and over. I would also pray part of a prayer that is known as the Surrender Novena, which I found out about when one of my fellow daughters of St. Paul gave me a pamphlet with the prayer on it by an Italian contemporary of St. Padre Pio, who is now a servant of God, Father Dolindo Rutolo. It's beautiful in its simplicity. Jesus, I surrender myself to you. Take care of everything. I've included a link to the Surrender Novena for you on the Seeking Serenity page. I would pray that on my rosary beads, sometimes 
putting specific things I needed help surrendering, like, Jesus, I surrender my food cravings to you. Take care of them and everything else. Or, Jesus, I surrender my annoyance with this particular person to you. Take care of her, me, and everything else. The variations could be endless. Sometimes if I have trouble falling asleep, I say, Jesus, I surrender my sleep to you. Take care of it and everything else. Once we're able to embrace true surrender, serenity and peace are the natural results. The wonderful thing is that this kind of surrender isn't some pie-in-the-sky ideal that feels totally unattainable or something just for those who have reached the heights of holiness. No, it's for all of us, and God so desires us to have the serenity that comes when we can surrender. But we need to practice each day, and even many times each day, just like when a musician goes over and over a section of the music until it's able to be played with no mistakes. Even the AA Big Book acknowledges that surrender comes with practice. It says, quote, As we go through the day, we pause when agitated or doubtful and ask for the right thought or action. We constantly remind ourselves we are no longer running the show, humbly saying to ourselves many times each day, Thy will be done. End quote. As we come to the end of this reflection on surrender, I'd like to invite you to follow up by taking some time in quiet prayer to contemplate surrender in your daily life. The accompanying PDF includes some of the readings I've mentioned today, as well as some suggested scriptures for further meditation. I've also included some reflection questions that could lead you into deeper prayer about surrender. I hope you'll also join us next time when we'll take up the topic of humility in the third reflection of the Seeking Serenity series on August 17th. Thank you so much for joining me, and I hope to have you along next time. If you wish, I'd like to invite you to pray the serenity prayer with me as we end our time together today. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Amen. God bless you all.